Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. Majorly sad news yesterday as General Motors announced that it will have more than 14,000 layoffs and several plant closings in the United States and in Canada. Yes, right as the holidays are getting started, a lot of people are going to be scrambling for ways just to keep their financial lives together. And this could not hit any harder than it will right here in Detroit. The Pole Town plant in Hamtramck, a stalwart that this city helped create by erasing a neighborhood, is one of the plants that is slated to close. Lordstown, Ohio, where a plant has existed since 1966, will also lose its GM employer. The auto industry, of course, has always been cyclical, so we've been here before. But the context of these cuts is just a little different. They are the first major reduction since the auto bankruptcies and the industry's incredible rebound. Remember that year when we hit 17 million units sold. And these cuts come as President Donald Trump fuels a pretty bitter trade war with China. All three major auto companies in this country have said the trade dispute is hurting them. GM alone says it has lost a billion dollars to higher import taxes in recent months. That's where we want to start the conversation today with this sad news and real question marks emerging over the future of the auto industry, the industry that we still really rely on, not just in this city, but in this nation to fuel the economy. And as always, we want to hear from you. Are you somebody who's going to be affected by the GM cuts? Uh, are you somebody who was affected by cuts before and is still trying to put your life uh, back together? We want to hear your stories about how this plays out in your lives. And as always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And joining us now to talk a little more about what is going on and what it means is Paul Eisenstein. He is the publisher of the DetroitBureau.com. He would be in studio with us here in Detroit, but he is in Los Angeles for the L.A. Auto Show. Paul Eisenstein, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good to be with you, Stephen. Yeah. So let's start with just the the putting these cuts in some context. They seem quite devastating. Uh, historically, is this a, a major shift and reduction, uh, or is this sort of just a correction? Uh, it, you can call it a correction because it is part of a broader strategy to reposition General Motors for a lot of changes that are underway. Uh, and it is in some ways a historical move because while car sales have been slipping a bit the last two years, it's certainly nowhere near a recession. In fact, the sales that we'll see this year would have been considered remarkable uh, before the Great uh, Recession that, that Hammer GM drove it into bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. So with GM and prop making profits and still having pretty good sales, the idea of making massive cuts and likely closing them, let's put an asterisk there and get back to that, likely closing three assembly plants and two other factories. Uh, it is totally unprecedented. Yeah. Uh, is this just a GM issue or is this a problem that's faced by all the auto companies and we're just waiting for the shoes to drop at Ford well, and Chrysler? Uh, well, remember, Stephen, Ford already said that it was going to 
uh, get rid of thousands and thousands of white-collar workers. So that is a global move. Uh, the automaker, in fact, will probably make some of its biggest cuts in Europe. Uh, but you will also be seeing probably a couple thousand jobs eliminated here in uh, in North America. And uh, Fiat Chrysler has been trimming a bit as well. The automakers are trimming for a variety of reasons. And one of those is they do think that some sort of recession may be on its way. General Motors in particular, under Mary Barra, had promised investors that it would prove it a different company than the one that went through the Great Recession by being able to maintain profitability through the next downturn. So Barra seems to be positioning the company to deliver on that promise. Uh, but there are also a couple of major shifts underway. Number one, we've seen this massive move by American motorists away from sedans and coupes to SUVs and CUVs. There's another factor, and this one is the big risk, the really big risk. That is the move towards autonomy and electrification. GM spent a billion dollars of purchasing cruise automation out of the San Francisco area, an autonomous vehicle startup, and it has dumped billions more into vehicles like the Chevrolet Bolt EV with more electric vehicles coming. The problem is nobody really knows if, not just when, but if, electric and autonomous vehicles actually will generate a serious profit. So there's a lot of if come in the moves that are being made under Mary Barra, the CEO and chairman. Mm. This this giving up on the vault, which is part of what's going on here, it, it one way to read that is cutting its losses, cutting GM's losses in this sector and saying we've we got to do something else. At the same time, you have the Chevy Bolt, which is the sort of uh, successor, I guess, to the to the Chevy Volt, which they are going to continue to make and sell. So, so what are we to make of that sort of split dynamic? In other words, giving up in one way, uh, but but still going forward in another. Yeah, I I guess it's no real surprise that they would walk away from the Chevy Volt which is a plug-in hybrid. Uh, the vehicle is a bit expensive for what it does. Um, there's a lot of debate over whether there's really a market for plug-in hybrids as opposed to fully electric vehicles. And, and the, the Volt is a sedan, basically, or a hatchback, if you prefer. It's sort of that, that mutant hybrid between the two. And it just never really connected with buyers, particularly in this market. Now, would... GM perhaps be coming back with a plug-in hybrid in an SUV body? I wouldn't be surprised to see that. They're certainly going to be coming back with more and more SUV-like all-electric vehicles. In, in fact, the, the Chevy, Chevy Bolt, the pure battery electric model, has probably not sold nearly as well as it could uh, if it were to have been an SUV rather than a sedan-like vehicle. And this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Paul Eisenstein. He's the publisher of the DetroitBureau.com. He's joining us today to talk about the big news out of General Motors. Yesterday, 14,000 or more layoffs scheduled and several plant closings here in the United States 
and Canada. We're talking about what that means in the short term, what that means in the long term for the industry. Uh, In a little bit, we're going to talk with Charles Ballard, who's a Michigan State University economist. We're going to talk to him about the effect of this move on the economy more generally. We want to hear from you, though, as well today. Uh, Are you somebody who's going to be affected by these cuts? Uh, Are you someone who works in the auto industry and is not going to be affected by these cuts? But maybe you're worried that more cuts are coming. Maybe are you worried that uh, the auto industry's wonderful recovery after the bankruptcies uh, is coming to an end? Maybe a little cool-down period that might make things tougher for folks. Uh, Give us a call and tell us your story. Tell us what you think about Pole Town, uh, the plant in Hamtramck that was so controversial when it was announced in the early 1980s. Uh, It required the city to essentially get rid of a neighborhood in order to make way for that plant. GM now says it will close that plant, uh, at least is scheduled to close that plant and walk away from that area. Uh, What what should we do about that? What should we think about all of the support that we gave to GM in order to construct that plant? Uh, And now they are saying they don't need it anymore. As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we will try to work you into uh, the conversation. Uh, Paul, I want to ask you whether you think uh, much of this has to do with the the tariffs and the trade war that is underway. A billion dollars is what GM says it has lost because of those tariffs. Uh, Of course, the industry doesn't make lots of short-term decisions. I mean, I know that, that they are into planning at the, at the automakers, yeah. but, but something like that that takes a billion dollars away from them has to have an effect. How much of this can we attribute to that trade war? I don't think that there is much of an impact from the trade war on the announcements that were made yesterday. Uh, in fact, I was going through my archives to, to try to see uh, whether this had been signaled before. And I remembered writing a story all the way back in, I believe, April of 2017, in which I listed six vehicles uh, that I had been hearing might be dropped by General Motors because of declining sales. Uh, they were all, no surprise, sedans and coupes. And five of the six that I listed, oh, what, 18 months ago were the ones that they dropped yesterday. They announced that they were going to drop yesterday. So this has been in the works for some time. And as they go away, it's no surprise that they're going to cut plants. Uh, there, there are a number of facilities that were just simply underutilized for quite some time. Uh, take Lordstown. That plant was producing the Chevy Cruze, uh, a compact vehicle. And once pretty strong model, uh, and in fact, one that has received extremely good reviews, hmm. unfortunately. Uh, it, it, the sales have been so slow that earlier this year, well before the Trump tariffs, uh, it dropped two of the three production shifts and had already eliminated 3,000 jobs at Lordstown, and now I think what is another 1,500 or so are going to go away. So this this is a continuation of of, of issues that we were already seeing. Uh, The billion-dollar cost, well, yeah, it's something GM has to look at, and it it will figure into anything they do. But 
I don't think what happened yesterday was directly related to the Trump tariffs. I think more broadly, the automakers are looking for ways to recover from this. And by the way, Ford has also estimated that the Trump tariffs are going to cost it about a billion dollars. So long term, could that affect uh, decisions? Yep. When you have a billion dollars in profits, you were expecting that to go away. Uh, you're going to have to make up for it somehow. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's start with John in Windsor. John, welcome to the morning. Today. Hi. Good morning. Interesting conversation. Um, it was funny earlier this year, my father-in-law wanted to get a new car, and he said he wanted a Chevy. He wanted an electric vehicle. He wanted a Tesla, but I said I don't think his wife would let him spend 100 and some odd thousand. <laughs> so he bought a Volt. But the reason he bought the Volt, I found out, was not to save money because he's got more than he knows what to do with. He didn't want to pump gas anymore. Wow. He's 88, 89 years old. And I realize a lot of people, I'm 64, that is something. He doesn't want to go outside in the wintertime and get cold and pump gas. Hmm. Well, and and that's a great reason to go buy an electric vehicle. Uh, you know, Paul Eisenstein, I guess the question is, why isn't, there are more of that, I guess, in the market. Why isn't there a, a stronger attraction to that that convenience of electricity? Well, now you have to remember that he's going to have to get out of his car to plug it in. Maybe <laughs> he has a garage, a heated garage with a charger inside. Uh, if not, he may have to plug it in outside, uh, whether it at a home charger that he might have on the side of the house or at one of the expanding number of, of public charging stations that are popping up all over the place. Uh, I, I had a conversation last night. Uh, I was, I was uh, sitting with one of the senior uh, engineers at Ford Motor Company, and they are going to be showing a new, uh, a new model here in L.A. that will include uh, a very high-performance hybrid, plug-in hybrid. So stay tuned. We'll have to talk about that after the show. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, we were talking about why sales haven't taken off. And, and one of the reasons is up until now, we have not had many, if any, long-range electric vehicles. Americans didn't like the idea of buying a vehicle that could go anywhere from maybe 70 to 100 miles without having to charge up again. And now we're starting to see vehicles, the various Teslas, including uh, the the under $45,000 Tesla Model 3, the Chevy Bolt, uh, and so on, that will be getting 200, 250, even 300 miles or more per charge. When you have these, especially new affordable models, the Bolt, uh, you know, under $35,000 and so on, and you see more electric chargers popping up in the public realm around the country, I think that's going to start changing the picture. You're going to see tons of all-electric long-range vehicles, some very affordable, some like the one I saw last night, uh, which I can't talk about. Uh, it's a German import, high-performance model that, uh, uh, interestingly enough, Robert Downey hmm. helped preview at our, our event. These are going to change the game, I think. I think you're going to start seeing a lot more electric vehicle sales as we enter the new decade. And so how does that then fit into this narrative of people not wanting cars and wanting light trucks instead? There's a wonderful graphic in the Wall Street Journal this morning that shows 
the 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 diverging trend lines for mm-hmm. light trucks and and passenger cars. I mean, you're talking about uh, light trucks now being almost seventy percent of U.S. auto sales, which is what uh, yep. which is what passenger cars were uh, twenty years ago. Uh, now they've switched, and 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 light trucks are that that seventy percent. How, how does the electric picture fit into that picture? Well, it, the electric the electrification uh, doesn't mean that we're not going to continue to follow this trend over to light trucks. Uh, if if you recall, uh, we've been seeing a number of of electrified crossover utility vehicles. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, just a few minutes ago, I got uh, the authorization to uh, post a uh, an embargoed piece that was uh, for, for a product that's going to debut here in Los Angeles, the Volkswagen ID Buzz Cargo. Uh, it, it's going to be a commercial version of the microbus uh, ID sort of sort of the modern incarnation of the old VW microbus, but it's going to be all electric. Uh, Audi is going to have uh, a, a plug-based uh, SUV. Uh, GM is going to probably announce at least one plug-based SUV next year. And and everywhere you go, uh, Jaguar. Look at Jaguar. This is a company that didn't even have SUVs until about three years ago, and now its very first all-electric model is the I-PACE, which is an incredible, I've, I've driven it a bunch of times now, an incredible all-electric SUV. Mm. So you'll be going in that direction in, in all-electric models as well. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Paul Eisenstein. He's the uh, publisher of the DetroitBureau.com. We're talking about the major announcement from General Motors yesterday about plant closings and layoffs, uh, the effects that that's going to have here in Metro Detroit, in Michigan, and around the country just as we get started into the holiday season. That's what we are discussing. If you want to join the conversation, call and tell us what this will do in your world. What effect will this have? Are you somebody who works for one of the automakers uh, and maybe will uh, lose a job uh, because of this? Are you somebody who works for the automakers and won't lose a job but are looking at this and thinking things aren't going to continue upon that really prosperous path that they have. Um, also, what do you think about the, this fitting into the larger economic picture in the country? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Paul, I, I, I want to end with this question. Um We've seen this incredible growth and record sales and this wonderful rebound from the bankruptcies in the auto industry. And now we're seeing what maybe is a correction, maybe is more of a fundamental shift. Do you see this stabilizing, though, in in a way that Detroit and the rest of the country can rely again? on uh, auto sales, on the auto industry, uh, to, to sort of leaven out uh, uh, economic you know, upswings and downturns? Uh, or is this the beginning of a period of some volatility? Uh, if it isn't a period of volatility, it would be a historic shift. It, we've gone, what, nine years now since bottoming out in the auto industry and bottoming, bottoming out in the 
uh, economy in general. And it, the idea that we wouldn't be seeing some sort of downturn over the next couple of years is, well, it just hasn't happened historically. So the, the only question for me is how far things go down. Uh, there's a lot of questions about the Trump administration's economic policies and what that might yield. Uh, I'll, I'll yield that uh, question to somebody else who's uh, got a broader perspective on the economy. But certainly, if the economy goes down, uh, the old uh, the old adage is that you know when the economy catches cold, the auto industry catches pneumonia. And one has to hope that if there is an economic downturn, it's relatively minor. We've already started to see. U.S. car sales soften, and that trend is going to probably continue into 2019. The real question is whether it will be a soft landing, a relatively modest downturn, or it will be substantial. And and we just don't know. Uh, if for no other reason this is an administration that's broken all precedents, we don't know how far the trade war will go and so on. Uh, but there's a reason why automakers like GM are taking – advantage of, of relatively good times they still have right now to make the cuts that will help prepare them if there is a crisis. Okay, Paul Eisenstein, publisher of the DetroitBureau.com. It's always great to get your perspective on these issues. Thanks for joining us on Detroit Today. Great to be with you as always, Stephen. Thank you. Up next, we're going to hear from an MSU economist about what all this and other economic news might mean for Michigan's economy. Also, don't forget, if you have to miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. Go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today and take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. News from GM this week is just the latest in a series of economic stories that will likely directly affect Michigan's economy. What about wider restructuring in the auto industry? What about tariffs and interest rate hikes from the Fed? Here to help us think through how all of those things might royal our local economy is Charles Ballard. He is a Michigan State University economist. Charles, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's start with the GM layoffs and what effect you think this might have on the overall economy. GM is still a very big employer. Uh, It sales power, very big parts of our economy. Is this going to upset other things outside of the auto sector? Uh, well, certainly there are going to be uh, some ripple effects. Um, if the uh, Detroit Hamtramck plant is closed, uh, there are a lot of businesses in that neighborhood that will be adversely affected. They won't be selling to the workers who come in and out every day. Um, but I, I don't think that this uh, says that we're headed for 2009 again. Uh, you know, the number of workers who are um, who are on the chopping block at that uh, at that plant? Uh, that's about one thirtieth of one percent of the people in Michigan. Even if there's a 
comparably sized uh, of the workers in Michigan. Even if there's a comparably sized uh, ripple effect, you still have a very small uh, total effect. I think the bigger concern is uh, down the road. Uh, your previous guest was talking about um, we don't really know how the economy is going to evolve in the next few years, but a lot of the forecasts are that the auto industry is essentially at its peak. And, uh, you know, around 17 million vehicles in North America seems to be kind of a ceiling. It's uh, hard to get above that. Um, that means it's not going to be a source of a whole lot of further growth. And uh, there's this uh, ongoing restructuring within the auto industry as people continue to go away from cars toward um, SUVs, CUVs, and uh, pickups. And that means that, for instance, the Lansing Grand River Assembly Plant uh, is perhaps in danger if there's a, a further further change, uh, because they make cars, whereas some of the other uh, factories in Michigan um, are not so vulnerable because they're making the the sport utility vehicles and crossovers and things like that. Mm-hmm. We, we heard the president this week already blame this on the automakers themselves, saying they don't know how to sell cars. They're not making cars that people want. He, of course, is not taking responsibility or any responsibility for some of the things that he has done as president. I wonder what you make of the layers of responsibility here. How much of this is about national policy, the trade war that the president started? How much of it is about the auto industry itself and its strategies? Uh, You know, I think uh, a substantial amount of the responsibility lays at uh, the feet of the policies that we're uh, pursuing in the Trump administration, in particular the tariffs on steel and aluminum. Those have raised the costs to anybody in the United States who makes things out of metal. And, you know, let's face it, cars use a lot of metal. And, uh, uh, you know, that's adversely affected uh, GM's profits as well as Ford's and um, FCA's profits uh, very substantially. So, uh, you know, that's that's definitely a part of the story. A decision was made. I, I, I uh, Frankly, I'm not sure whether President Trump thought through um, the implications. He thought, "Hey, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna save some steel industry jobs," without maybe thinking about, well, what does that mean for all of the industries in America that use steel? There are far more people who work for companies that use steel than work for companies that make steel. Uh, so that is a big part of it. I think uh, uh, you know we we can't avoid that. In terms of the car companies themselves, well. Honestly, back in the 70s, I think the car companies, uh, GM in particular, were, were kind of lazy. They, they got a little bit bloated. They, got, um, uh, they were unwieldy. They didn't react nimbly to changing market conditions. But, boy, I do not see that now. I see these, uh, these are much leaner companies than they were. Uh, and uh, I, I think that the companies are doing the best they can in a very competitive market with some unfortunate headwinds that have been created by the administration in terms of the tariffs. Hmm. Uh, So I would think that the president's argument would be that these tariffs and the pain from these tariffs are short-term sacrifices that are necessary to get to a place where the trade imbalances that we have uh, are are, are gone and that, that everybody in this country will benefit 
from that, including the auto companies, uh, is that is that a plausible explanation for what's going on? Is that something that 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 the auto companies and everyone else ought to be hoping for? Is that we get through this period of of fighting with China about tariffs and and things like this, and we get to a place where where trade looks better? Um. Well, I think, you know, it's true that China does have some unfair trading practices. And if we can pressure them into changing those, I think that would, um, all else equal, that would be good. Of course, how much pain we have to endure to get to there is is a big question. And I actually think that the president is going about it in the wrong way, because he's alienated essentially everybody, all of our allies. He's uh, said insulting things to the leaders of France, Germany, the United Kingdom. Instead of doing that, and he's, and he's alienated our Canadian and Mexican friends, in, instead of doing that, I think he should have gone on a, a policy of trying to get a coalition of everybody who um, trades with China to collectively put pressure on China. But there's a bigger point that I think um, gets lost in this. You talked about our trade imbalances, and it's true that we buy more from abroad than we sell to other countries. In other words, we have an overall trade deficit. We don't have trade deficits with every country. We have surpluses with many countries, but we do have an overall deficit. Um, But that's, that's not going to go away if we can pry open the Chinese market. That will have only a very small effect. The big thing is that we Americans, like it or not, we consume more than we produce. We've been on a credit card-fueled spending binge for the last, well, for most of my lifetime. Uh, We've been spending beyond our means for decades. And if you spend beyond your means, if if you spend more than you produce, well, You've got to be buying from somebody else, and you're going to have a. We're going to have a trade deficit as long as our macroeconomic policies um, and our predilections as consumers uh, mean that we are uh, buying more than we produce. Hmm. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Charles Ballard. He's a Michigan State University economist. We're talking about the effect of the GM layoffs and plant closures on the wider economy, the wider economy here in southeast Michigan, the wider economy across the country. What effect will these have? Are they part and parcel with some economic turmoil that lies ahead, or are they sort of anomalous and maybe won't have devastating effects on other parts of the economy. We still want to hear from you about uh, your reaction to this news yesterday about GM laying off 14,000 or more workers, closing plants all over the United States and in Canada. Are you somebody who's affected by these closings? Are you someone who works in the auto industry and is worried about the future of your job, the future of your industry? Uh, Are you somebody who supports Donald Trump as president and the policies that he has embraced? Uh, And are you maybe disappointed by the reaction of General Motors to some of those policies, these tariffs that uh, are driving up the cost of metal in particular, one of the things that uh, the auto companies really need to make their products. 
Does this make you think differently about Donald Trump if you did support him? Are you now thinking that uh, he's not doing the right things for the American economy? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put uh, your comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Gene, in Detroit, you are up next. Welcome to Detroit today. Uh, good morning, Stephen. Hey. One of the biggest implications on this is the model that the city has used uh, to attract development that haunts us to this day, giving big tax abatements and tax incentives uh, to corporations, uh, eviscerating neighborhoods, uh, st- uh, stymieing uh, local development, uh, sacrificing it all for big projects that uh, uh, never produce the kind of results that we need for jobs and investment, and then they wind up abandoning it. Yeah. Uh, Gene, I, I share your absolute disappointment about uh, about this with, with regard to Pole Town and the, the tremendous sacrifices that were made in this community to make that plant possible. Uh, that that now seem to be crashing down around us. Now it is uh, more than 30 years later, and there's a lot that we have benefited from uh, having the Pole Town plant here in Hamtramck. There's no question about that. But the idea that GM would walk away from it and perhaps leave that plant there or uh, at least leave it idle is, I, I think, really, really bitterly disappointing. And you're right, it's not... Isolated. It's not isolated in terms of the way that we deal with corporations in this city. We we help them make money, and then uh, sometimes it does not pay off for us. Uh, Charles Ballard, I wonder what you make of that dynamic here. It's not just in Town, It's in Lordstown, Ohio, uh, all of the places that GM is thinking about closing plants. There are communities that have made, I think, pretty significant sacrifices in order to make those plants possible. Uh, what are we to take away from this? Well, I, I think your, your listener is, is absolutely right that we in Michigan and, and really all across the country, we've pursued um, policies where if some business shows up and says, pour money on me and I'll do something for you, we, we have a tendency to do that. There's sort of a race to the bottom where um, localities are are in a bidding war to get uh, companies to to locate. Uh, we saw that recently with Amazon, which you know they finally made their location decision, but only after extracting enormous concessions from the communities in which they are eventually going to uh, locate. You know, there there's been talk for years among economists about uh, couldn't state and local governments just um, declare a truce and say, uh, uh, okay, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to offer incentives to uh, companies. We're not going to make those sacrifices. If you want to come, go ahead and, and locate here. Uh, the problem, of course, is that if only some communities agree to that and others don't, well, the ones that uh, that make those uh, those deals will get the factories. So it's a very difficult public policy program. I guess the other thing to say is, you know, we in, we have never, I think, in the United States, done a, a very good job of helping those who have been displaced, um, whether it's by plant closings, uh, changes in technologies, 
Um, there's so much more that we could do um, to uh, ensure that communities, when something goes bad like this, um, that there is more transitional support for the people in that community. Um, uh, we, uh, I think we have a tendency to leave people high and dry. Uh, Gene, thanks again for the call and the comments. Let's go to Vernon. Vernon in Auburn Hills. Welcome to Detroit today. Uh, yes, I live in Auburn Hills, and if anywhere in Michigan to close this many plants is really, uh, it, it affects us all and it hurts us all, but to defend the president's position on his trade policies, my son lives in Germany, and they sell a lot of German cars in this country, but over there, a Mustang is $60,000. I don't think that's fair. Also, China's going into the aircraft business. They're building an, an identical knockoff of the GE jet engine, ignoring all of the patents. But I don't think that's fair. I think we have to do something about it. We can't allow that to happen. Just millions and hundreds of millions of dollars spent in research, and then they go ahead and just knock, the, uh, knock off the GE jet engine. Uh, so, so Vernon, uh, I, I can't argue with, with the logic that you're employing here. Uh, the, the question I have, though, is, I guess, what you think will happen first. Do you think that the president's policies, which are costing people money and uh, costing companies money and now costing people jobs, is, is, going to, is going to win out over these trade policies that you see? In other words, do you think... Uh, what he's doing will achieve the goal that he set out before it destroys the American economy. I, I don't know what the remedy is. I, I mean, this is one approach is his approach. I, don't, I think letting things slide and allowing this to happen is it, it, it counterproductive to all the patent laws. It, and it, it's incredibly wrong. It's against the American spirit that, mm. We're buying German cars and a Mustang, sixty thousand bucks in Germany. I don't think that. I, I think it's we have to do something. And what he's doing is is a really bitter pill. But I don't know what else. I don't know what else other solutions you could come up with. Hmm. All right. Vernon, I really appreciate the call, and and you sharing your perspective. Uh, Charles Ballard, I'll give you a chance to to, to respond. Ought we be supporting this this kind of approach because that's the only way to get the unfairness out of the the trade sector? Well, I certainly um, understand and sympathize with the frustration that Vernon and and so many other people have, feel and have expressed uh, about about these things. I just I just would caution um, that sometimes uh, that just because there's a, a disease that doesn't mean that any uh, cure that is proposed is necessarily going to be better than the disease. Uh, I, I would go back to what I said earlier that I think that um, getting the Chinese in particular um, to uh, to play better, to play more by the the rules that they should be playing by. Um, is uh, something that we should pursue, but I think we pursue that better in in concert with all of our allies. And w for better or worse, President Trump, and I think it's for worse, President Trump has taken a uh, an approach that says that we we're fighting against uh, basically all of our friends. 
um, we uh, poke our finger in the eyes of, of so many of the uh, countries that also have grievances against the Chinese. And, in, and I think it would be better to work together with them. Mm. I think that it's hard, and it, it isn't as splashy. It doesn't make as big a headline as a trade war. But I think the slow, hard, difficult work of multilateral negotiations is really a better way to, to get a better trading system. Remember, we have a much better world trading system than we had um, in the middle of the 20th century. And how do we get that? By painstaking negotiations that took years. The Ken- John F. Kennedy, uh, Pre- President Kennedy, was uh, the leader of one of those most significant rounds of, uh, of trade negotiations. And it's hard work, it's slow work, but it can and has uh, produced uh, good results over the long haul. Hmm. Uh, let's try to take one more call here before we have to uh, end. Uh, Mark in Dearborn, what's on your mind? Are you there, Mark? Yes, I am here. Hi. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, I sure can. All right, perfect. Um, I just want to preface this with, um, you know, I'm not a Donald Trump supporter in any way, shape, or form. Um, However, having worked in the auto industry, actually at GM and for a a supplier of General Motors, this correction has been coming for years. Um, This is something that people who are... It, you know, directly involved with uh, the automotive industry have seen coming for uh, for a while because we've had so many years of record-breaking sales that it's gotten to the point where everybody's been saying we need to correct because we cannot keep growing at this rate. And the sooner the correction happens, the less detrimental it will be. Hmm. Hmm. So, so Mark, are you are you okay with with the effects of this? this kind of decision on on our community? Well, no. Um, you know, and being somebody who actually, uh, who I sell in several of these plants, uh, you know, this is going to hurt my business. But what I'm saying is this has been something that, uh, you know, as far as projections have gone, I've seen this coming for a few years. It's mm. just when it was going to happen and how severe. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that the trade the trade policies are helping or have cushioned it they may have made it worse, but this is something that has been uh, has been projected through. Yeah. Just because, and it's been because of the record breaking growth that sure, happened. Sure, Mark, I appreciate the call and the comments, uh, Charles. I wanted you to respond to that. I've got about thirty seconds left, but but if you can also talk about. Uh, the effect of interest rate hikes on all of this. Uh, Mark is right that this does seem like it was coming. I think he's absolutely right. I mean, all the projections, the projections do not say that we're going to get exponential growth in the number of auto sales. They've flattened out, and nobody thinks that they're going to grow dramatically in the next few years. Uh, Interest rates, well, they make a difference because a lot of people buy their cars uh, with a loan, and higher interest rates do put a crimp in that. Okay, Charles Ballard, Michigan State University economist, thanks very much for joining us on Detroit Today. That's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.